become a patron of Entertainment Landfill. Go to patreon.com slash landfill for details. Entertainment Landfill is made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Thank you. to watch too many games to play such as life dot the instances the open worlds the uncanniest of valleys so get out there and finish those quests for some sweet loot while we give you the latest pop culture and entertainment news Give me every time. Hello, everyone. It's Entertainment Landfill News. I'm your host, the Jstrom. Welcome to the show where we talk about film, television, pop culture, video games, etc. And I don't do it alone. I do it with Stephen the Pop. Hey, what's happening? Hi, Stephen. How's it going? Fantastic. We've taken a couple of weeks off. Last week, uh, we had Emma's birthday. Mm-hmm. She's 13 years old. She's now a teenager. A teen. Oh, no. You're everyone says... Oh, no, she's a teenager. Terrible teens. So, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> you the know week what? before, I flew in late, so yeah, I that's, couldn't make it. That's true. Um, you know what's funny is, for her birthday this year, she wanted to do an escape room. Have you heard of those? Yes. It, it's, it's pretty neat. I didn't know what to expect. Because in the room we did, you had to have 12 people. But... They said that uh, there has to be at least one adult if everyone's under the age of 18. So, uh, naturally, it was up to me to be in there with uh, Emma, two of her cousins, and the rest of her friends. So, it was me and 17 children. A bunch of kids. And uh, when you go there, they're, they're in character, the person who helps you. So, she goes, everybody line up a tan hut. And we're like, what? We walk over. 
And she goes, I just want to warn you that this is the hardest escape room we have here. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> and uh, you are, we were like these special agents. We were doing the espionage room. And we were a group of agents that had to thwart these terrorists who uh, planted some kind of bomb or something like that. I don't even remember the exact story. But so you they were broke- Kiefer Sutherland in 24. <laughs> yes. But they broke us into teams of four each. And uh, it's funny. It's a really cool concept. You each get like a dossier that you have to open immediately. Except the room is totally dark. The first thing you have to do is find flashlights. (laughs) Then you also get this walkie-talkie where you can ask for questions, ask questions or whatever. And she'll uh, maybe answer you in a cryptic way or whatever. So we each get these things each team. So I opened it up and immediately there's this information about someone's been assassinated. We need to find the gun that, uh, the assassin used. It's somewhere there in the room. Uh, we immediately opening every drawer in there. There's locks on everything, but we found, we each find flashlights and we're shining on things. Okay. Look over here. And, uh, it was really, it was really cool, but we were all kind of freaking out. Like, no guys, you, your team is over there. We're over here. You know, it's just everybody, and the funniest thing is it's picture a room that's totally dark. There's a monitor on the wall with the counter counting down. You have one hour and uh, there's a series of closets like locked rooms that you need to look for clues to open. Immediately, um, we find uh, something that corresponds on our paper with something on the wall with our team. So we start looking at that going, huh, what does this mean? And then it leads to something else that has a code. We'll try this code on that door over there. So we'll say, Hey guys, we have a six digit number here. Try it on every lock in the room. And that's what we do. We all like start and Oh, I got it. And we'd open it up. Okay. Picture 12 people all rushing to a small closet. Like, <laughs> no guys, guys, back off, back off. It's <laughs> just like, a closet. <laughs> And so we start looking for clues. One room, this is something I do remember, had a bunch of toy guns. It was the armory. And one of the guns fired uh, fired little plastic balls. If you look through a hole in the wall, you see a target with uh, like uh, three little targets. So it's like, oh, we got to shoot the targets through this hole and it'll reveal a number. So I was like. You know, it, you had to step on a little step, and I go, "You guys do this. I'm too big for this." So I could hear them repeatedly missing. They're like, "Dang it! I didn't get it. Ah, oh, we're out of we're out of bullets or whatever." So I was like, "Oh no, okay." So we moved on to something else. And while they were all, you know, they'd occasionally get different doors open, but I was like, "I'm gonna go check that target thing." And I looked around, and I found two of the balls on the floor. So I stuck it in there, and I was like. I figured out how to fire the gun. I went up there and I go, Doosh! and I got one number. Oh, I got a number. I got a number. And so I'm looking for another ball and I find one. I go, and I go, Doosh! and I get two numbers. So uh, I was like, okay, guys, look for one of those balls. <laughs> and eventually we find one somewhere else. And so I go up there and I go, come on, don't miss, baby. And I go, Doosh! So I have three numbers, but I don't have the first number. So I said, try this lock. Uh, put in the three numbers we do know and just try every number until we get it. And then 
it was Emma, one of Emma's friends. She goes, I got it, I got it. So we unlock it. Everybody comes, <laughs> comes into that room. And uh, we got the gun. We got the murder weapon or whatever. So we're looking at it. And there's a piece of paper with some information. I go, wait, wait, wait. These words are on that door over there. Let's go over there. And it was so funny. We, we figured out. It was like picture a chain with a series of like five locks and we're trying to figure it out and we're deciphering it oh wait look airplane helicopter tank there's pictures like this hung in each room with and so we go and we go look in those rooms and there's codes on it so we're yelling out the codes meanwhile emma's other friend she's unlocking each lock unlock unlock and we're you're we're pulling the the chain chain out and they're like, nothing, there's nothing here. There's no point to this. And I was like, there couldn't be no point to that. We unlocked all these locks. So it was like, okay, let's move on to something. So while they're doing that, I go, that couldn't be no point to that. And so I look, and I'm looking closely at the chain with a flashlight. At the very end is a key. And I pull the key out of the room, and it barely reaches this lockbox on the wall with a little lock. And I yeah. go, hey, I found a key. And it's so funny because just that... Something about the unlocking a lock is like the most joy. You're like, oh my god, I unlocked it! You know, and you open it up. There's another thing in there that's cryptic. The funniest thing is, we opened a room with a mannequin. Everybody was like, oh, like it was a guy in a suit with glasses and a hat. And everyone was like, oh, oh my god, that scared me. And it was like, holy crap! Like it even startled me because it looks like a guy standing there. I go check his pockets and we're all like reaching in there and go pull his hat off and there was writing on his head it was like a code so it's like leaning over and it's like we just pulled his head off so we're holding this guy's head that's like write down what that says and then we find a morse code chart and sure enough the morse code leads to another thing meanwhile uh we hear attention agents you have 30 30 minutes left and to let you know we mean business, we're going to release a gas. And it's like, and, you know, it's just like a smoke uh, yeah, smoke machine. And all of a sudden you can hear the kids going, oh, 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 my God, there's smoke. And I go, guys, it's not real smoke. Okay, just so you know. And they're like, oh, they're like, don't worry about it. It's not real smoke. And they're like, oh, but they were all like getting to, oh, oh. And it was so funny. Like, oh, my God, they're really going to kill us. They're going to kill us with gas. So, uh, little did we know, each team really has to be doing their job in order to lead to clues. We figured out that we had these playing cards that each had a letter, and I could tell it was going to spell the word activate, because we were missing like two uh, two of the letters, right. and they were in some unlocked things. One of our teams, I won't name names, but they hadn't began even the first step. So, meanwhile, uh, my team and another team, the team Emma was on, they were unlocking things, and we had a collection of these things. But the other team hadn't done anything. They were just, whenever we call something, they'd run over there, and they go, oh, what does this mean? Or whatever. So, really, my job was I needed to make sure they were doing their thing, too. Right. So, when it came time for the, like, the last 10 minutes... Like, all of their locks were still locked, and we were like, okay, where's the, the your folder? Where is it? it? Everything was scattered everywhere. We couldn't even find the paper, like, the first dossier they had, because everything, there was locks on the ground, papers, everything. We just made a mess of that place, and it was like, 10, 9, I was just like, we're screwed. We're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it was like, you were all dead. And then the lady comes in. She goes, you're dead. And we were like, yeah, we know. And right then, uh, one of the girls unlocked the final lock. And it was full of money. She goes, money! Like this. She goes, woo! And the lady's like, that's not real money. Just so you know. She's like, oh. <laughs> it was like all these stacks of bills and stuff. And she, I was like, okay, I just need to know this. How close did we come? She goes, your team was right there. You guys almost completed everything. There was one team that didn't complete anything, and that is this team. And they're all like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we all, it was like really exhilarating. It was fun. It was kind of like, you know what's funny? As I was thinking about it all week, what it was like, it was kind of like being in a Sega CD FMV video game. <laughs> Remember when we'd play those? Yeah. That's what it felt like because you would see the, the guy would talk to you. And at one point, he was like, attention agents. I go, just ignore him. Keep working. He has nothing to offer us, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he's just there to distract us and uh it was a lot of fun i gotta say there they have uh two other rooms they have an old west room that's eight people and then they have the mad scientist room which is six people and i noticed the lady who does that had a lab coat with blood all over it and i was like eh, probably good we didn't do that one with a bunch <laughs> of kids <laughs> but um uh, I was thinking about it after I was like, damn it. I kind of, I feel like I, I need to complete that room. And maybe that's how they get you like, Oh, better luck next time. Hopefully you guys come back. And it's like, but I it won't be the same room. And one kid, <laughs> one of the children even asked like, well, if we do it again, we'll know what to do. She goes, Oh, but if I recognize you, I'm putting you on a different team. And she was like, Oh, so that's how, like, if I did it again, I wouldn't be on the same team knowing everything. Yeah. I was really proud of myself for hitting the targets, by the way. <laughs> and I was just, oh, man. I was like, I need to look up the answer somewhere online or something. With, but, as, much, with as much fake gunplay as we've done, you should have hit those targets. <laughs> yeah. There is some, uh, it was pretty fun, I, I have to admit. And uh, I'd like to do it with adults. I think if we had 12 adults there's no way we would lose that. Am I right? right? Yeah. She was even saying, uh, the, she goes, these numbers correspond to the map right here. And she goes, see right here. Uh, if you find the longitude, latitude, longitude, it leads right here to the, and they were like, Oh, and I was like, Oh, I wish I had helped them and paid attention to what they're doing. <laughs> but that was a lot of fun. Another thing is because it was Emma's birthday. Uh, the Nintendo switch came out on her birthday so way back when we watched the the first you know video Nintendo put out, Emma's like, "It comes out on my birthday, you know, it's meant to be." And I was like, "Okay, um, I'll think about it." But I one thing I remembered: every Nintendo console from the Wii or whatever, you know, Wii U, even this classic edition NES, this Christmas couldn't find it anywhere. Right? Right. Immediately sold out everywhere. So I was like, if I'm going to get this for her, Heather, I need to like pre-order it as soon as pre-orders start. So I did, like the first time ever. Whenever I've gotten a console before, it's like Heather will get it for me for Christmas or something. Like I have nothing to do with, you know, I don't get it on launch day or whatever. Right, right. So I was like, okay, I got to pre-order that and Zelda. So I know those two games. So Thursday night was the midnight launch and i was like i'm gonna go get it midnight so in the morning the present's sitting there on the table for her so i went to my first ever midnight launch at best buy and it was 
uh, you know, a bunch of nerds, <laughs> you know, when you walk in, they go pre-ordered or are you just hoping to get, a, get one? I go, no pre-order. And so I went in this line and there was a line of hopefuls over here and they each got these blue papers. And then I saw some people coming in they go, you got a pre-order? And they're like, no. And they're like, I'm sorry, we don't have any more. And they're like, uh, and I was like, Wow. So uh, I got my copy and I was excited, like, oh, this is cool. Just looking at the box and everything, and I go, it's not mine. It's Emma's. <laughs> you know. So I brought it home and Heather wrapped it or whatever. But the next day, it was so awesome. Her uh, her elation at getting. Let me see if I I remember I sent of the video to Bill to see, and maybe I'll just play the audio for it if I can find it. It was really cute. Just her reaction to it. Keep in mind, you know, she asked for the Nintendo Switch, uh, you know, a long time ago. How many months ago was that when they first announced it? It was quite a bit, wasn't yeah, it? Four, and, five, six months ago. And I was like, ah, I don't know, Emma. You, you know, it depends on how you do in school and stuff like that. So she was like, okay. Well, then she was saying it, Dad, I really kind of want a Nintendo Switch. And I go, Emma, those things are sold out everywhere. So... Then this... Okay, let's cut to her opening it. Sorry, the quality... I'm here. Anchorman. She's opening it. (laughs) Try not to rip the papers. Switch. Oh, my goodness. That's uh, my father-in-law. I love it! She's just staring at it. I am so very happy! I am so very happy. It's your birthday and it unboxing on the same day. Oh, my God. <laughs> How cool is that? Oh, my God. <laughs> I am so very happy. Oh, oh that's wow, great. That's hey, so very happy, Emma. I'm so happy. <laughs> very happy. She just couldn't stop saying, I'm so happy. It's so funny. All right. But I, I thought that was cute. No, come on. <laughs> what is it like opening? It's going to keep playing the video. But uh, so she was excited. I hooked it up that night and she started playing Zelda. You know, when I went to bed, I was like, remember your party tomorrow at the escape room. Don't stay up too late. But I have no idea how late she stayed up. <laughs> but then on Sunday, she played it all night. And I also wanted to preview. I recorded a conversation with Emma. It's about 20 minutes where we talk all about Zelda and that's going to be a special bonus at the end of this episode, Stephen. Gotcha. That uh, people will be able to hear. But uh, that was pretty exciting. And I I played Zelda for a little bit, uh, like 30 minutes. I did it in handheld mode, mm-hmm. just sitting here playing it. First of all, the buttons are super tiny for my hands. And I was just like, I got to play this on a TV. You know, my, my eyes aren't what they used to be. <laughs> you know, just like... Gotta get you some readers to play it. Yeah, I'd rather play it on TV. But I have been playing Horizon Zero Dawn. I don't know if you've seen commercials of that. It's a PS4 game. It's like this redheaded girl with a bow and arrow. She's fighting robot dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. And I've been playing that all week. And I gotta say, the the fighting in that game is so awesome. Like when you fight stuff, it's like epic. Like the the mechanics of how you fight and you roll like when you aim your bow everything goes like slows down long enough for you to aim and you have this kind of like vision this vision electronic vision that will zoom in will tell them like um you know 
they're susceptible to fire, susceptible to electricity or a cold or something like that. And you have different kind of arrows that you can shoot at certain parts of it and it'll fly off. And But you have trip wires, you have traps. My favorite thing is probably, uh, what is it called? The rope caster, where you go, you shoot a rope at them and it thunks in the ground. So you go around the, the beast while you're basically harpooning it and tied to the ground. So it's like, and it's tied down. So you gullivered this little. Uh, yeah. But some of them are, they're strong enough. They're like, cling, cling. They start pulling the ropes out. I'm like, oh shit. And I'm like trying. Today I saw, I forgot what it's called a thunder jaw. It was like, it's a friggin' T-Rex. And I'm hiding in the bushes. Cause you can crouch down. And they can't see you. The outfit you're wearing. You even have like an, an eye is open where anything can see you. And then it's closed when you're hidden from them. Okay. And so I'm hiding in this thing going, and I'm like, maybe I should attack it just for fun or lay some traps down. And so I scan it. It says vulnerabilities, none. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I'm not going to mess with this thing. Maybe later on when I'm a higher level, but, um, the storyline is really neat and I'm just having fun playing it. I play it as long as I can. And then I start to get, fatigued like i start to get a bad headache after i play these games for a while because games like this you're scanning things you're looking around in three 360 degrees and i start to get like uh dizzy after a while (laughs) but the times that are great are when something bad happens you're fighting one creature but another one sees comes over and starts fighting so you start having to hop around start having to uh pull out different weapons and you're just you know you're trying to stay alive and you're running around you're jumping on things trying to get away while different things and then when everything's dead and there's carnage this machines everywhere on the ground you're just like ah oh, that was that was a fulfilling fight there <laughs> so that game has been a lot of fun i highly recommend that now uh steven i want to get into the news eventually but first i want to talk about you and i saw the film logan right last week and by the way the cinemark mansfield here finally the xd's open and they have the assigned seating right so if we go see kong island or whatever it's called we could probably see it there with the assigned seating but uh we saw logan and uh i thought it was pretty awesome as we i remember after deadpool came out it was rated r the most successful radar kind of comic book movie and then they announced you know, one thing that I've always wanted since I was a kid, you know, we got the X-Men movie, but they've always been like PG-13. We've always wanted Wolverine to cut loose and show blood and stuff like that. Yeah. And within the first, what is it, 10 minutes of this movie, Logan fights these guys on the side of the road. And it was just like, oh, shit, this is rated R. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was so like graphically violent that I was just like, dude, finally, this is awesome. I don't, you know, I want to spoil anything for anybody, but the movie's really violent. It's uh, Logan protecting this little girl who doesn't really need protecting, does she? (laughs) I guess she kind of does. She doesn't know. She she can handle herself in a lot of ways. Right. But. Well, you see, you know, they have the. Do we say, I mean, they, they do a full body cuff on her, essentially. Yeah. And so they're essentially, they're trying to tame her to get her to be a weapon they're trying to still use her yeah 
And this is in the future of the X-Men franchise where apparently there are no mutants anymore. So the world believes there's a few left like uh, Logan, Charles Xavier and Caliban, who I remember from the comic books and Caliban's a mutant that can find other mutants. That's his ability. And uh, unfortunately, Professor X, he's uh, he's going senile. He's got dementia. And that's really bad for somebody like him who has the, the power he has. Yeah. And there are such incredible sequences in this film. I just thought it was so well done. James Mangold did the Wolverine previously, the one in Japan. Right. Did you see that one? Yeah. Which I thought was good. We saw that together, didn't yeah. we? Which I thought was good, but it was yeah, just... we didn't see the first one together. My problem with all of the X-Men movies, honestly, except for X-Men Origins Wolverine, which is frigging god-awful... Uh, the X-Men movies are always just like, oh, it's pretty good, but it's, you know, it's just okay. A- yeah. Am I right? Like, right. they're just okay. There's not. They might have a moment, like a sequence like Quicksilver and that one movie, that was pretty awesome. Right. Uh, they have moments, or the characters get moments, maybe a funny moment. There, there's, you know, I can think of X-Men, the first X-Men film is fine. Uh, the second one, X Men X Two X Men United, which is great. That's probably the best one. Uh, the one uh, where Days of Future Past and all that; those are fine. They they have good moments and stuff. Like I said, but I think Logan is the first great X Men movie uh, because it felt like a mature film where they handled the stuff. Uh, someone like Logan would, in reality, probably cuss up a storm, wouldn't he? <laughs> Well, he's ex-military, so... So he would drop F-bombs left and right. Most, A lot of military, I'm not going to say most, a lot of military men swear. (laughs) Well, uh, (laughs) Hugh Jackman does such a great job as this older Wolverine who's just had it with everything. And uh, I'll go ahead... Okay, this is spoiler territory if you haven't seen the film. I'll go ahead and play the spoiler detected thing so you guys know. Spoilers detected. Okay, Wolverine is dying from something. Something's killing him. And I assumed it was cancer. But when you find out what it is, it's like, oh, that makes so much sense, right? Right. So he knows he doesn't have much time left until... And then this little girl comes into his life, and it turns out that this... Is this guy with the government? The they're doing experiments. I don't know if it's the government but, or a secret corporation. Yeah, evil corporation. Right. Probably selling military right. arms or whatever. They're doing experiments on mutant children, and it's terrible what they're doing. But there was an escape, and this girl X twenty three, the through the help of this nurse, uh, gets her out, and she wants Logan who is a famous mutant, people know him as the Wolverine, uh, to take her to the sanctuary. And, of course, he doesn't want to have anything... And they don't believe it exists. Yeah, of course, he doesn't want to have anything to do with it. All he wants to do is protect Charles and get him on a boat and then leave. uh, He's trying trying to protect everybody else from Charles. Yeah, and even Caliban (laughs) says that Logan's... What he wants to do isn't very realistic either. Yeah. Like, they're going to live on a boat. How's that going to work? There's no way to get away from Charles if, you know, it's just not a very realistic... Wolverine could handle it, but other people can't handle the 
psychic ebb mm-hmm. the flow of Carol. I wonder if it's because his adamantium skull protects him a little bit more, you know? Maybe so. That's what I was thinking. Uh, but the when that little girl, you see some of them in the trailer, is unleashed on the Reavers, they call them. Or, no, is that what they're yeah, called? Yeah, Reavers, yeah. Yeah, when those guys show up. And they was like, go get the girl. And he goes in there, and the little girl's just sitting there eating her cereal and looks at him. And then you hear like, ah! or whatever. And they're like, what? And then the little girl comes out, and they're like, oh, shit. I love the way she's like, she pops her claw out, and he's like, oh, no, 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 no. Calm down. Come on. <laughs> and then, you know, she starts killing everybody. I thought that was so awesome. I, I, I really thought it was great, the claw the foot claw yeah when you see it go ting, and then <laughs> kicks the guy in the back he's like no <laughs> just the friggin' brutality i don't think i've ever seen a film where a child has killed that many people <laughs> i mean but at the same time you're like yeah because they're bad people right right she is killing bad people she's not just killing people Although, I wonder what she would have done to the guy in the convenience store when she's stealing, like, the Pringles and stuff. <laughs> just put one right through, or two right through his head. <laughs> but it's just a really good movie. I mean, I was very happy to see a mature X-Men film, rated R, dropping F-bombs with lots of blood. There's a sequence in this where Charles Xavier, they're at, like, a casino, and he's having one of his seizures, one of his moments, and everybody in the casino is paralyzed. The bad guys has arrived, and they have arrived, and they've even infiltrated the room, and they're grabbing him, and he's like, going, oh, and they're all like frozen. And Logan shows up right when it starts, and he has to work his way through the casino where you see everybody like on the ground, like, oh, and he gets on the elevator, he goes up, and he, you see the bad guys in there with their guns. And I was like, what is he going to do to these guys? Is he going to like rip the guns away? He's going to claw the guns away so they don't have anything? No, he's like into the guy's head. How great was it that the guy turns his eye and he could see Logan coming right towards him and he can't move. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like claw right into his brain, works over to another guy, stabs him in the head. And I was just like, holy shit. <laughs> that, that was intense, that whole scene. But then uh, later on, you know, there were many scenes like that. When they run into this family on a nice farm, all I could think was, please don't ever, anything happen to that family. And the movie's like, sorry, Jason, that's not the kind of movie you're watching. <laughs> Something is going to happen. It it's going to be. R, right? <laughs> yeah. Something's going to happen to these right? people, and it's going to be terrible. And I'm sorry, that's just the world we're living in. And I was just kind of like, damn, this sucks. This is terrible. And then when you see this villain pop up, Wolverine's adversary, it's kind of a shock, right? Right. And that it's kind of like your mind's going, wait, no, what now? What's going on? What? And I just thought it was awesome. The part where the guy has the shotgun, he shoots him point blank in the head, and he's just like, it's like, I get blown apart. It's like, holy shit. Uh, and he's pinned, too, at the same yeah, time. Yeah, he's... He's, he's he's on the a, a reaper machine, I guess, or whatever. Oh man, that was that was so intense. But then you know you have the final part and uh, the chase through the woods, and there's some kind of like mutant serum that uh, accelerates. It pump- yeah, healing. and Wolverine, he's not healing anymore. He's barely healing. Yeah, he's very 
very, 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 very slow to heal. Yeah, I love the part where he can't start the truck and he's going, you know, he's yelling the F word. He's just banging it, beating the crap out of it. And then you see him pass out on the road. <laughs> he just can't take it anymore. And he wakes up in, in the doctor's office and the doctor's like, wow, I haven't seen one of you guys in a long time. And you see he's got like an open cavity in his chest. Wolverine does. And uh, he's like, you really need to get to a hospital. He's like, no, I'm fine. And he's like, no, you're really not. <laughs> I That whole kind of sequence where, uh, you know, ex- the girl, Laura, she's following this X-Men comic that has a coordinates in it. And he's like, nothing's there. It's from a comic book. But what he doesn't know is her friends followed those coordinates and they're all hiding there, right? Right. And uh, it's the other mutant children. And I love that sequence in there where he's passed out and he's got this big bushy beard through the whole movie and all the little scissors come out and they're all like trimming his beard as he's sleeping kind of in the old Wolverine yeah. face like he used to be. And when he wakes up, he's like, oh, this isn't funny. <laughs> you just don't do that. You don't shave a man's beard while he's sleeping. Um, th- the movie, you know, it's a really intense, weary kind of movie, but there are moments with great Levity, laughs. Yeah. yeah, good moments. Like even uh, there's some great moments with Charles Xavier where Logan's helping him pee and he's like, I can do it myself. And he's like, well then do it. <laughs> you know, he's, you can see him in the, some guys like looking at the stall, like what's going on in there. And, uh, that whole endings, the whole third last act of the film was just intense and awesome. And I don't know. I need to see the film again. I thought it was good enough where I want to see it again. Uh, what did you think uh, of it? I just wanted a more horrible death for the main bad guy with, mm-hmm. the, with the hand, the metallic Yeah, hand. yeah. He, uh, he was like one of those movie pricks. You really wanted yeah. to get it. And the way he dies, um, it's certainly justified for the whoever kills him. But you wanted to see him get beheaded or something. I don't know. Or that truck slam over on top of him. Maybe or, with just the top part I, sticking I would, out. <laughs> I, I kind of, in my my mind, I wanted one of the little kids to be a Charles Xavier and and scanner his head and blow it up. Yeah. And what's cool is all the little kids have different mutant powers. They pretty much just use them all on them at the same time. Right. And he's just like, oh! One's shocking him, one's freezing him, one's throwing like, freaking the, plants over him. Yeah, the ground is like suck, pulling him yeah. into the ground with all the growth now if, over him. No, if, if, if his whole body had collapsed or, you know, frozen and just shattered him, yeah. that would have been satisfying. Yeah, he even shoots a kid. He's like, ah, oh, don't worry, I didn't I didn't kill you. Yeah. Or, the, and the kid's like, oh! He's got him in the arm. It's like, you're just wounded. You'll be fine. It's a flesh wound. Yeah, they've got these military guys. They're all chasing the children through the woods. So uh, Logan, he grabs that serum and injects it in his neck, and he, like, hulks up, you know, Logan. Yeah. And he's like, Aah! and he's running through just cutting dudes up. They're all shooting him. You know, he's taking hits and everything. But then this stuff starts to wear off, and it's just like, oh, no. Like, I'm totally screwed now because he's all weak again. But there's a moment where I was just like, I felt like uh, a rush of like adrenaline. It's when he's fighting dudes, he's like, jaw, 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 chopping dudes. Laura comes and runs and jumps off of him and flies at another guy. I was like, dude, that is so awesome. <laughs> I thought that was so freaking awesome how they're both fighting in unison, the different guys 
just that moment right there, I was like, oh, man, that was so freaking cool. And uh, but, the ending. But the, but the main doctor had a pretty good death. Yeah, he did. He got the truck slammed on him. <laughs> yeah. Didn't Wolverine, uh, didn't Logan shoot him also? Yeah. <laughs> he had a gun hidden and he's all weak and they're like, you can't do anything anymore, Logan. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I got a gun. I can oh, shoot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, he got shot. Those guys all get messed up. No, it was, I guess it was other military guys that got the truck slammed on them. Yeah, uh, or the the bad the main villain guy. I don't know why. I just don't want to say who it is. I want it to be a surprise for you know. Some people might be like, "Oh, go ahead, spoil it for me, Jason." That part I don't want you to because I want you to be as like what as I was. Yeah, watching it. Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm talking about the main military bad guy with the metallic hand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he did, didn't he? I can't remember. i got to see the movie again. <laughs> well, no, they slammed it on the main bad guy towards the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, the doctor got shot. And, and then... Yeah, he the, gets shot in the head, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That he, final gunshot... Like, oh, you won't do anything to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that was the guy who needed to die more yeah, than anyone. Yeah. He's the one doing experiments and stuff. But the final gunshot to the villain, the main bad guy's head, was yeah. it just like, damn, like skull come flying off, <laughs> like brain matter exploded. There's like no doubt that that guy's dead, right? Right. It's just like, holy shit. Uh, but man, what an ending. Heartfelt. Uh, I welled up. I welled up at a gesture, and that was the that and turn it over to an X. That I felt that that was awesome, and it was just really cool. Uh, I can't wait to see the film again. I don't know what more to say about it. Go see it. I was very proud of James Mingold because, you know, I know he wanted to do a Wolverine movie rated R. There's even like a director's cut of the last Wolverine where they added like CGI blood and stuff. So he's clawing at guys and you see, see blood flying off. And I thought that movie kind of came off the rails in the third act, the last Wolverine movie. I I felt like he got to do it the way he wanted to with this one. But like Wolverine's pretty old. Yeah. He's he's, he's been, older than you think. Yeah. I've In X-Men Origins Wolverine, they show that he's been around since... Uh, I, I I don't want to watch that movie again, but there's a whole opening sequence where he's like fighting in different wars and stuff. So right. because of his healing factor, he's actually much older than he looks. He's right. older than Charles Xavier. So you don't Xavier. know how old he is then. He just looks old enough to fight in a war. So yeah. he's... He could be already a hundred years old at that point. In yeah. Time. So even though uh, you know Charles Xavier looks older than him, he's much older than Charles Xavier. That's right. how long. Uh, I almost thought like Wolverine's immortal or whatever, but obviously he's not. He's uh, just long lived. Yeah, his mutant ability kept him alive a long time. So if he's two hundred years old or say, yeah, he's. I mean, they probably don't. They don't. I don't know if they've ever. Have they ever said how old he was? I don't think or, so. They always just, just kind of leave him. it to your imagination that he's he's mm-hmm. old. Yeah, I remember what I love about that last X Men film. It even showed him surviving a nuclear, uh, the atomic bomb. You know, goes off and he's like, oh, 
and then all of a sudden he starts healing and he's okay and it's just like holy shit what can he not withstand you know so cool but uh that was uh logan we saw logan steven yes i I say it held it held up it's a good good movie good movie and it broke my heart (laughs) hugh jackman and uh how great was patrick stewart in the film yeah and that little girl did a great job too. They were all. There's a part where you know she starts. <laughs> he thinks she's mute through the whole movie, yeah. and then she starts talking in Spanish. She's just like rattling off, and he's all right. Shut up! <laughs> like, you can speak this whole time. Yeah, why didn't you say something? She's like, blah, 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 blah. and he's like, all right, shut the f up. <laughs> she's like, what's her to shut up now? There's some great comedy in there, you know, different parts. So good. Now, Stephen, you want me to get into some news? Yes. All right, here we go. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, but Star Wars The Last Jedi's first footage has been shown. Disney shareholders were presented with footage from many of the company's upcoming films at today's meeting. But perhaps the most exciting reveal was the first footage shown of The Last Jedi. This is likely part of the same footage that will publicly the public will see at Star Wars Celebration in Orlando next month. And it's unlikely any of the press or shareholders at the meeting will leak footage before then. But we do have the tweets of an L.A. Times reporter to give us some hints about what to expect. The following details could be considered spoilers. Okay, I don't want to know what they said or what Luke is going to say, because this is my point to the story. I can wait to watch the movie to know what Luke says. Right. I want to watch it in the movie. I don't want this asshole reporter... To tell me Luke's first words. Right. Do we really need I, to know I've that? I've completely passed over every video talking about this, you know? Yeah, I don't need someone to tell me this shit. Hello, hello, hello. No spoilers, please. His first words are, who are you? Yeah, it was, <laughs> I've, it was funny. Uh, I saw some... Were, his first words were... Hello. I saw different tweets, and the funniest one that made me laugh was Luke's first words, and it's, I am Queens Boulevard. <laughs> it's an entourage reference. And I thought that was hilarious. Like, that's Luke's first words. All right. So, anyway, we don't want to know. That's the whole point to that. Okay. Have you seen the new Alien trailer? I know you did, because it was yeah. before Logan. Ridley Scott, though, has six more Alien movies in him. And he could start filming another one next year. (laughs) Six more. (laughs) Listen to this story. This comes from uh, Polygon. Ridley says that Alien Covenant is just the start. He's got six more Alien movies in him. If you really want a franchise, I can keep cranking it for another six, the 79-year-old director told the Sydney Morning Herald. I'm not going to close it down again. No way. In fact, the script for for a sequel to Alien Covenant is already written on the chance that Covenant succeeds and there's opportunities for more installments. It'll succeed. He says, you don't want a two-year gap, so I'll be ready to go again next year. After founding the Alien franchise with the film of the same name, Scott left the universe alone for 33 years while other creators put their own spin on Aliens, Alien 3, Alien Resurrection, and the Alien vs. Predator films. Finally, the highly anticipated Prometheus hit theaters in 2012 after nearly a decade of pre-production. The semi-prequel was greeted with mixed reactions from fans and critics. That's because, uh, I'm sorry. 
I, I, I didn't think it was very good. Prometheus was a good starting block, Scott told the Herald, to raise the question of who made the titular xenomorph aliens and why. It didn't, no, it didn't really titular? answer that. Oh, yeah, excuse my language. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's my favorite word on the show. Titular. Hey! Titular. Alien Covenant, which will hit theaters on May 19th, is getting closer to who designed it and for what reason. The Herald, do we need the answer to this question? Where did they come from and who created them? I don't know where wasps came from. They're an annoying pest that'll sting you, but whatever. The Herald knows that while filming Alien Covenant, Scott was also producing several other projects, including Blade Runner 2049, Taboo, and Murder on the Orient Express. What have you been up to lately, Ridley Scott? Okay, here's what I'll say. Naturally, an alien film coming out is exciting, but I've got to say, 45-year-old Jason, when I watched that trailer, I'm not trying to be a dick. I didn't feel anything. I didn't care. The xenomorphs look overly CGI. You know, I'm not usually one to nitpick at CGI, but they just did. Uh, it looks like Alien all over again. We're going to get the dinner scene where the popping out of the chest. Right. Seen it in Alien, the original. Uh, I think the problem is this movie is 33 years too late. It would have been great after James Cameron's Aliens. Maybe Ridley Scott returned, but he wasn't interested because he had more going on or other things interested him. So we had a lot of shitty Alien movies made. A lot. A lot of shitty Alien movies made. So I'm saying by now, I'm not that excited. I cannot get excited about this movie. I'm just not. And we'll see. Maybe when it comes out in theaters, I'll start to see pretty good reviews. I may be, all right, Steven, let's go see it. Come on. Let's I got to go see an we'll alien see movie. It. We got to see it. But Prometheus, I thought, was just a mess. I wanted to like the film, and I thought it flew off the rails. And it didn't answer any questions for me at all. I'll say, Those yeah, big space yeah. giants, you know? Yeah. What? The alien at the end? Where's. Oh, oh, that's how. I never I mean, had that revelation, did you? It's very. Um, um, otherworldly. I don't know. What, <laughs> you know, I remember uh, my dad going, well, no, no, no. What you need to do, there's this video on YouTube where this guy tells you what actually Prometheus is all about. I'm like, I don't want to watch that. I'm just telling you, my first reaction after seeing the film was. Huh. So we'll see what happens with this alien movie. <laughs> okay, one thing that I've been saying about Zack Snyder in Man of Steel and in uh, Batman versus V Superman: Dawn of Justice, they don't have straight narratives in the films. It's kind of like dream sequences. Uh, flashbacks, Batman sees his parents killed, or bats are picking him up in the Batcave and he's hovering in the air. It's like, what the hell is going on? A dream sequence with the Flash visiting him. Is he from the future? He's fighting parademons. I'm not sure what's going on exactly, but it looks really cool or whatever. If they could just tell a straight narrative, that might be this, that might save DC, right? These DC films. But then I see this article... The DCEU may eschew linear narrative and feature flashbacks and flash forwards. This from Screen Crush. And I was like, 
Oh, no. You're going to screw up Dawn of Justice. The DC Universe has had its work cut out for it from the start. It had a little bit better footing than Marvel because everyone knows who Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman are. But it still seems like Warner Brothers is trying to fit too much information into every movie so that it can prepare for the next one on the series. The most notorious example of this was the commercial smack dab in the middle of Batman v Superman that teased the solo movies of Justice League. That was pretty awkward looking at the files of each superhero. Apparently, in order to tie the next bunch of films in the series together, we might be seeing flashbacks and flash-forwards in the upcoming solo adventures. Producer Charles Roven spoke to ComicBook.com about the upcoming Wonder Woman. I notice all these sites, they do the story, but then they reference another story because they didn't get the scoop or whatever. Right. Uh, about the upcoming Wonder Woman and about how all the DC films will knit themselves together apparently in order to keep the story straight this will involve a lot of jumping around in time for example the justice league movie will take place in a universe that's post batman v superman just like batman v superman takes place in a universe that's post man of steel when we're dealing with either the flash or aquaman since they will take place in a universe that has happened after justice league the characters in the world will be informed by the movies that preceded them Except there's flashbacks or whatever within those particular movies. Flash forwards within those particular movies. So they're going to try and give a brief beginnings of Aquaman, The Flash, in these stories. And then we'll later see that in their movies? Yeah, do I need... I mean, we know The Flash. We know Aquaman. Do I need to have a backstory on any of them? I don't think so. Wonder Woman. Just give me me the damn story. And then it says, well, this sounds needlessly complicated. Why not just make the movies based on an overview of what will happen in Justice League? Throw in some references to a previous movie through dialogue if you want to, and leave it at that. Robin also explained how this model involves all the directors working together to make sure that their movies will look like they come from the same series. When we talk about who Arthur Curry is, he's Aquaman, and we talk about the universe when that movie starts in terms of him and where he is... Obviously, Atlantis exists and has existed before the timeline of this movie. But both Justice League's Zack Snyder and Aquaman's James Wan collaborate on what the look of both movies will be. What's frustrating about this is it means that none of these movies are allowed to be their own thing. They're all simply to serve a larger whole, and the flashback flash-forward thing offers up a whole new slew of issues most notably including material in the movie that won't make any sense to anyone who doesn't already know what it means. <laughs> Easter eggs are all well and good, but a long unexplained sequence like the nightmare in Batman v Superman is irritating and confusing to viewers who haven't read that in comics. We don't know what the plots of the solo flash Aquaman or cyborg movie are going to be, but it seems like it would be more relaxing for the directors and the viewers. If these movies were allowed to stand apart from each other, instead of all combining into what will quickly become a nonsensical superhero soup. If Warner brothers, isn't careful. That sounds exactly like what it is going to be. Right. It sounds like they're way over. It's okay to make it too convoluted. It's okay to put building blocks to future films, you know, references to kind of like, oh, we'll see more of that later. Kind of like they even do the ending things in Marvel movies. Yeah. But uh, this sounds like you don't need flashbacks and flash forwards in the in the movie. 
Yeah. So now let's get to some Marvel news, Steven. But they can't copy Marvel and do a little segment at the end. They could, but yeah. they'd be like, oh, you're just copying Marvel. They don't want to. So a picture came out this week for the new Thor Ragnarok film where Thor, he's ditched his long hair, Steven. Oh, my God. The latest issue of EW offers our first official look at the cast of Thor Ragnarok, and it's certainly different, which actually might be a pretty good thing. The previous two films are widely considered lesser MCU entries, but with Taiki Watiti behind the camera and promising a more humorous God of Thunder, we're looking forward to seeing a different side of Thor. That side is definitely present on the magazine cover, which also features Kate Blanchett as the villainous Gila and Tessa Thompson as the warrior Valkyrie. Okay, the most obvious thing on this new EW cover is definitely Chris Hemsworth's makeover. Thor has chopped off his long, luxurious mane of hair. I bet it's a man bun in the back. <laughs> and replaced Mjolnir with a pair of rather badass-looking swords. The cover, which has some serious 90s vibes, also offers the first official look at Gila. Okay, you already said that. And a formidable new villain who is accidentally released from a place where she's been imprisoned for a very long time. Blanchett trained with famed stuntwoman Zoe Bell and learned Brazilian martial arts. Wait, Brazil, is that Capoeira like Eddie Gordo? Yes. For her role in Ragnarok, which sees Gila sending Thor off to the planet Sakaar. Described by Hemsworth as basically where every wormhole across the universe dumps out its trash. So you get people from all walks of life with all sorts of incredible abilities and powers. It's there that Thor runs into Hulk. And the two are pitted against each other. Gladiator style. Okay. I don't need to know more. We'll see in the trailer or whatever. But uh, yeah. Every, look, he cut off his hair. Do you care, Steven? No. But... Uh, Cool. I can't wait to see this movie. I bet it's going to be cool. I like the first two Thor movies. Sure, they weren't like great, but I still liked them. And I think Chris Hemsworth's greatest Thor, and he's got a great, you know, kind of uh, the cast along there with him. It's good. Okay, Steven, let's hop back onto the DC bandwagon. <laughs> I said that because this post-Logan, DC is willing to hop on R-rated superhero bandwagon. <laughs> It would appear that the likes of Deadpool and Logan, what with their foul words and visible bloodletting, have changed the game of superhero movies. It was once basic showbiz logic that a massively budgeted capes and tights flick couldn't afford to go for an R rating and lose portions of the audience that it would restrict. More minor one-off projects like Watchmen and Kick-Ass and Kingsman could take that risk and repeatedly found it paid off. But now mainstream heroes have adopted this more daring approach and met with attractive box office receipts and in keeping with their tried and true business. You know, I could say this. Well, we saw tons of children in there that were under the age. Yeah. But I, all this word soup this guy's making is this. Deadpool and Logan did well as radar film, so DC is thinking about that. The Raps resident scoop getter, Umberto Gonzalez, has posted a new item in which he quotes one of the infamous well-placed insiders as confirming that DC's top brass would be willing to go hard R in future projects. The exact quote, 100% yes with the right characters. 
Makes perfect sense, too. Zack Snyder's universe-defining Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, along with recent Oscar-winning Suicide Squad. <laughs> they won a technical Oscar. All appeared to <laughs> chafe under their PG-13 ratings. It was as if you could feel the desire to go dark. Oh, dude, I would love an R-rated Batman film. That would be awesome. Uh, just don't let Zack Snyder direct it. I, I've, I've never had anything... I like Matt Reeves. They announced him as the... You know, he wasn't going to direct it. Now he is. I really would love to see what he would do with a rated R Batman. That would be cool. I mean, it, we don't need Batman to say the F word or whatever, but no. the Joker certainly could commit acts of violence. Just don't cast Jared Leto anymore. <laughs> so anyway, so they're considering it. Uh, now, Steve, uh, 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 I should have made a drop of that laugh. <laughs> but Steven, you're a Star Trek guy, right? Um, I, 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 I got into, <laughs> I got into the next generation. Well, you do know they're I, going to do Star Trek Discovery now. Uh-huh. It's going to be, it's actually going to be on the CBS app though, where you stream it. Uh-oh. But check this out. Star Trek Discovery will prove the first outing of the franchise without a captain as its lead. But the Discovery's ranking officer will nonetheless be a familiar face. Harry Potter and the OA star Jason Isaacs confirms his role in CBS's Star Trek Discovery, finding a nice comfy chair in the process. Isaacs appeared to share the news early, tweeting the image of a captain's chair shortly before noon, as seen in recent Discovery footage. The tweet was short-lived, though. CBS now confirms Isaacs will play the Discovery's Captain Lorca, senior officer to Lieutenant Commander Rainsford. Now set for a late summer, early fall premiere, Star Trek Discovery has among the cast Sinequa Martin-Green from The Walking Dead, James Frain as Spock's father, Sarek, Doug Jones as an alien science officer, Adam Rapp as the TV franchise's first openly gay character, and Michelle Yeoh, captain of a different ship. Along with other assorted crew and several Klingon roles, ex-showrunner Brian Fuller also recently stepped up to clarify his limited involvement in the project going forward. Shooting in Toronto, the 13-episode Star Trek Discovery is officially said to take place 10 years before Kirk's original Enterprise mission, as well to be heavily serialized, akin to a novel. The new series will also explore the fallout of an invent reference, but never seen in the original series. Wrath of Khan director Nicholas Meyer has also joined alongside Gene Roddenberry's son, Rod. Wait, Rod Roddenberry? What a name! Fan favorite Voyager novel alum Kristen Beyer, franchise vet Joe Minoski, and Heroes writer, oh no, there you Aaron Kalit. Star Trek Discovery will continue further announcements of its crew, but how long until we have a premiere? Watch the production teaser. So, uh, are you excited about a new Star Trek series? It's taken a long time, hasn't it? Yeah. To get this going. Yeah, it's been a while. All right, another TV news, Stephen. Amazon's The Tick starts shooting, and guess what? The Tick gets a new costume. His outfit was pretty goofy in the pilot. But I was like, oh, well, that's just the way it is. But the official Twitter account for Amazon Prime's upcoming superhero parody show, The Tick, has released the first image of a hero's new iconic blue suit that will be donned by the series lead actor Peter Serafinowicz. The post also marks Serafinowicz's first week on the show that is slated to release its full season this year. 
And here's the picture, Stephen. What do you think? Okay. Better than... Well, the other one had all those little weird bumps all over it. Yeah. It looked like it was made out of, like, liquid, like, dried on them or something. Yeah. Like, spackle. I, I thought they it tried like to sp- make it look like a uh, a carapace of a, of a critter. You know? It, it yeah. Had little this is textures. more streamlined now. I like it. Uh, Amazon's The Tick is an adaptation of the 1986 character created by cartoonist Bed Edlin to advertise the New England comics chain. The character would find popularity later when he went on to star in his own line of independent comics in 1988 and in 1994 as the star of an animated series on Fox. Fox also attempted to adapt the character into a live-action show in 2001, but that series was short-lived, airing for only nine episodes before it was canceled. The pilot for The Tick, which is currently available to stream on Amazon, saw Sarah Finowitz don another version of the costume that included much more texture. This new version appears smoother and brighter shade of blue. Debuting on the Amazon streaming service in 2017, the first full season of The Tick will star Peter Serafinowitz as The Tick, Griffin Newman as Arthur Everest, Valerie Curry as Dot Everest, Brendan Hines as Superion, Jackie Earl Haley as the Terror and Yara Martinez as Ms. Lint. Cool. I'm excited about that. All right. Casting news, Stephen. The Wires. Michael Kenneth Williams joins the Han Solo standalone movie. Ooh. Omar Little from The Wire is now in the Star Wars universe. Michael Kenneth Williams, best known for his work as Omar Little in The Wire and Albert Chalky White in Boardwalk Empire, has officially joined the Star Wars universe. Lucasfilm confirmed the casting on its social Star Wars website today. Official. (laughs) That official somehow became social in my brain. It's official Star Wars website today, but rumors of Williams joining the project first started floating around last week. The confirmation post welcoming Williams to the Star Wars team doesn't mention who the actor will be playing. Oh, of course not. Williams joins Woody Harrelson, Amelia Clark, Donald Glover, Tandy Newton, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Junis Suomtomo, Alden Ehrenreich. Ehrenreich will play Han Solo. With Harrelson set to portray Garrus Shrike, the man who saved Solo as a young child. Glover will play Lando Calrissian. Okay, whatever. You're just padding the story now. Okay, Steven, I know you're disappointed, but James Cameron confirms Avatar 2 delayed again. If you're eager for a return to Pandora, you'll have to wait a little longer. Avatar director James Cameron has confirmed the sequel to his 2009 blockbuster won't arrive in 2018 as planned. Well, 2018 is not happening, he told the Toronto Star. We haven't announced a firm release date. What Unob- people unobtainium is unobtainable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what people have to understand is that this is a cadence of releases. So we're not making Avatar two. We're making Avatar two, three, four, and five. Jesus, James. The filmmaker explained the process is a long term, full time commitment. I know where I'm going to be for the next eight years of my life. It's not an unreasonable time frame if you think about it. It took us four and a half years to make one movie, and now we're making four. The director is promoting his Atlantis Rising documentary, which pairs him with journalist Simcha Jacobovici and explores, I'm just going with it, you know, (laughs) and explores the existence of the mythical kingdom that was said to be swallowed by the sea. He is also working on launching the Pandora World of Avatar attraction at Disney World in Orlando, Florida. 
We're full tilt boogie right now. This is my day job and pretty soon we'll be 24-7. We're pretty well designed in all of our creatures and sets. It's pretty exciting stuff. I wish I could share with the world, but we have to preserve a certain amount of showmanship. And we're going to draw that curtain when the time is right. Here's the funny thing about this. I liked Avatar. There's a shitload of Avatar hate when it came out. Especially right. it kept making more and more money. It was like the most successful movie and people hated on it more and more. And it doesn't seem like anybody's looking forward to this movie. These four movies. Four more. Why is he making so many? I don't know. Why does my voice sound like this? All right, I might skip this story. Okay, this story pissed me off, Steven. Disney moving ahead with another Tron movie. No, that part's fine. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. But Jared Leto eyed as lead. What? After debating whether or not to move forward with Tron 3, Disney is gearing up for a third movie in the franchise. The Hollywood Reporter confirmed today that the studio is in the early stages of working on a version of the third installment, but it will not be a direct sequel. Instead, the movie will be based on the concept of the film's early script. According to the reporter, Suicide Squad star Jared Leto is being eyed for the main role. Tron 3 has been in development purgatory for quite some time, but it started out strong. In 2012, Tron Legacy co-writer Alan Horowitz confirmed a script was in development, and by December of the same year, multiple people working on the project had given interviews about the sequel. Director Joseph Kosinski told Collider that month the film would blow the doors off the franchise. Nothing much else was said in 2013 and 2014, which probably should have been the first sign that the film was in trouble. By May of 2015, Disney confirmed it had pulled the plug on the project. The studio also revealed that at the time it was interested in working with Leto on the film. Fast forward to 2017 and it appears that Disney might get its wish after all. Leto hasn't officially signed on to the project, but the actor is apparently in negotiations with the studio. At this time, the film doesn't have a writer or director attached to it. This is just not sounding good. The last Tron movie, Tron Legacy, was uh, released in 2010 and grossed more than $400 million worldwide. The first film was released in 1982. Ah! 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 This isn't going to happen, is it, Steven? No. It'll fall. Hey, 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 it's the big master control program everybody's been talking about. I'm not excited. I think Jared Leto's learning how to code right now. They need to let (laughs) Joseph Kosinski... Dude, it's just a movie. You don't have to code. Oh, my God. I don't like this. I don't like this at all, Steven. Finish the game! All right, Steven. I didn't know if I wanted to do this story or not, but Charlie Theron is a car-hacking mastermind in Fate of the Furious. That's right! It's been known for a while that Charlize Theron would be playing Cypher, the newest villain in the Fast and the Furious franchise, but the reason she's so heavily feared has been kept under wraps for quite some time. Oh, well, shouldn't we wait to see the movie to find out? No, no, no. Let's give it away in the trailer. Thanks to the newest trailer, however, Universal Pictures has released a little more information about who Cypher is. Much like Tej Parker, Ludacris... Cypher is a hacker of sorts, but instead of focusing on computers specifically, 
Cypher is more interested in hacking cars. That's right, Steven. In the new trailer, Cypher can be seen standing in a control room watching a large monitor that gives her eyes on the streets. According to a debrief from Mr. Nobody, played by Kurt Russell, she's the very definition of high-tech terrorism. That's right. From her control room, Cypher can hack into any car in the city and use them to her advantage. There are scenes where she starts cars left in showrooms, then drives them onto the streets. The result is a chaotic, massive car chase around the city as vehicles pile up on another and crash into unsuspecting drivers. The first introduction to what Cypher is capable of can be seen in the GIFs below. Or is it GIF, Stephen? GIF. As the trailer goes on, Cypher's ability becomes more apparent, but that's not the only important takeaway. No, Stephen. During one of her conversations with Dom, played by Vin Diesel, of course, she informs him that they've crossed paths in Abu Dhabi, London, and now Cuba. I hear he says, his only line in the whole movie is, I am Dom. (laughs) That means her (laughs) storyline goes back to Fast and the Furious 6 and 7, even though we didn't see her. Why is that important? Simply put, that also marks the introduction of Dom and his family's other adversaries, like Deckard, played by Jason Statham, and Owen Shaw, played by Luke Evans. We know that in this movie, Deckard is teaming up with Hobbs, who's Dwayne Johnson, by the way, to help track down Dom and save him from Cypher. But the question of whether or not Cypher is aware of the Shaw brothers, <sighs> it seems like much of her story will incorporate moments from the last two films, but we still don't know what information she has on Dom to make him betray the rest of the team. Regardless, it's evident that Cypher, who also takes control of a submarine in the trailer, will be one of the toughest and most memorable villains in cinematic history. I added that part. (laughs) Fate of the Furious hits theaters April 14th, where we'll find it all out. All right, Steven, let's watch the trailer. Holy shit. All right, team, listen up. This crew is about family, but the game has changed now. Oh, hell yeah, it's all about family. Did you like that, Steven? Dominic Toretto just went rogue. You're going to turn your back on family? I know it looks bad. Don't give up on him so easy. You've only got one chance to make this family whole again. Don't do this, Dom. You ready? One thing I can guarantee. No one's ready for this. She's the very definition of high-tech terrorism. She's taking over cars, Steven. I see it. There's thousands of cars in this city. And now, they're all mine. Oh, well, now I know what it feels like to be every cop ever chasing us. Wait, wait, wait. It's almost like zombie cars. It's World War Z with cars, Steven. Mayhem, destruction. London. (laughs) Abu Dhabi. Cuba. Our paths have crossed before dawn. You just didn't know it. I think I need to remind you why you chose to be here. Is she hypnotizing Dom? I got no choice. Hell yeah. If you're going to catch Dom, you're going to need a little help. You want to tell me why you just put me in a room with this tea and crumpets eating criminal? You know, I think that tight t-shirt's cutting off the circulation of your brain. You should get bigger size. You guys are going to work together. Love to. 
tell you, the transporter. I've been waiting for this. We got a tank. Now it's my turn. Boom, baby. <laughs> the rules have changed. They just don't give up, do they? You thought this was going to be a street fight. It's a sub fight. Wait, that's not a good one. It's not a torpedo! Take the wheel. What? This is crazy! It's going to be so ridiculous. I don't know why you're doing this, but I know one thing. You love me. No, I don't! Hang on to your ass! Dumb! Oh man, that looks like the best one yet, Steven. <laughs> and it's so sad they don't have Paul Walker. He anymore. is cameoed in a photograph in it. Yeah, so she can control machines. She's like maximum over. Oh my god! She's who's controlling all the machines at Maximum Overdrive. It's Cypher. All right, Stephen, that's all of the news stories I have this week. <laughs> Did you enjoy those? Yes. How about some Let's Read Rotten Tomatoes? Let's see if I have the tomato drop. Tomate. Wait, is it tomatoes or tomato? Either one. To, uh, uh, Let's call uh, the whole thing off. I like spelled tomato juice. Yeah. Now, Stephen Kong Skull Island comes out. Uh, mm-hmm. Came out today, in fact. It's currently, <laughs> oh, it did. It's currently 78% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. That's 169 fresh, 48 rotten. Now, here's the, what the movie's about. Warner Brothers Pictures and Legendary Pictures presents Kong Skull Island. It reimagines the origin of the mythic Kong in a compelling original adventure from director Jordan Vogt Roberts. Sure. Who also directed The Kings of Summer, which is a great movie, by the way. In the film, a diverse team of explorers is brought together to venture deep into an uncharted island in the Pacific, as beautiful as it is treacherous, unaware that they're crossing into the domain of the mythic Kong. Kong Skull Island stars Tom Hiddleston. Samuel L. Jackson, Brie Larson, and John Goodman, and John C. Riley. So, Eric Kahn of IndieWire says, There's enough material out there to fuel a string of reboots, but the swing toward diminishing returns has already begun. I give it a C+. Alright. That's passing. C plus is passing. That should be a fresh. Matthew Lacona of the San Diego Reader says, it's fun to watch the monsters in action, but on the human side, the film is clumsily written, overcast and underacted, with only frustrated soldier Samuel L. Jackson striking the right tone of crazy amid the chaos. I give it a one out of five. Wow. That's a run. Definitely. Let's see what Rashid Irani of the Hindustan Times says. Unfortunately, director Jordan Vox Roberts... How do you say that? Volk Roberts? Yeah. Volk. Making the leap to a big budget blockbuster after his indie debut, Keems of Summer, can't match the white knuckle excitement of the iconic black and white original. Wow! 
He's got to live up to that. I give it a two out of five. Wow. Let's give it a, let's see a good review. Peter Rayner of the Christian Science Monitor says, the action and special effects are mostly first rate, and that Vocht Roberts guy maintains a vaguely satiric tone that sidesteps schlockiness. I give it a B. All right. Gary Hertz of Globe and Mall says, It is the platonic ideal of big, smart, dumb B-movie filmmaking. And like Kong himself, it must be seen to be believed. I give it a three out of four. Wow, all these people have their own rating systems, don't they? Daniel Kimmel of the New England Movies Weekly says, Grab the popcorn and sit back like a kid at a Saturday matinee. Kong Skull Island is the real deal. I give it a 3.5 out of 5. All right. I don't know. Should we trust that guy? I give it a 3.5 out of 4.25. <laughs> I'm creating my own scale. Nice. I like that. The 4.25 scale. Stephen Kirk Baird of the Toledo Blade says, It may be Beauty who killed the Beast in the original King Kong, but in Kong Skull Island... It's the lackluster screenplay that takes down the not-so-great ape. <laughs> I'll give it a 1.5 out of 5. Okay, he's he's pretty proud of himself, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Are you wondering what Todd Jorgensen thought of it? I was. Of Cinemalog? He says, It positions itself as an origin story about the massive ape, but really is just another excuse to revive the venerable movie monster for another big budget confrontation with some hapless homo sapiens, sapiens, homo sapiens. Uh, it doesn't give the rating. So I just have to understand that that was a bad rating. All right. Eric Mellon of the pitch.com says it embodies the American Barnum impulse, the original satirize, hoping that a heavy dose of violence and familiar entity and the title is that kind of like titular Steven? Mm-hmm. <laughs> will be enough to pack them in. Behold the sad, cynical Kong First Blood Part 2, 1.5 out of 4. Wow. All right, I've had enough of this negativity. I want to read a good review. How about Rich Klein of contactmusic.com? It's a ripping adventure, cleverly directed by that Jordan guy, who his name Jason can't say, to resemble a snarky Apocalypse Now remake with added gigantic beasts, and the eclectic cast makes sure that there's plenty of comedy, villainy, and heroics to draw the audience in. I give it a 4.5! Hey, he really liked it. I'm working my way to... Uh, our favorite guy. Our favorite guy. I'm still looking for him. Let's see, Jeffrey M. Anderson of San Francisco Examiner says, A well-crafted, intense ride that derides shoot-first, think-later military rationale and champions curiosity and compassion. I give it a a 3 out of 4, I mean. Kurt Loder says, Good grief, Kong again? That's all it says. Okay. Kurt Loder, what is he doing reviewing movies? He was there when the original came out. (laughs) Yeah, he was on MTV at the time. Come on, where's our guy? David Kaplan of Kaplan versus Kaplan says King Kong is a likable and sim- is as likable and sympathetic as any of his predecessors, and his battles with the island's predators are spectacularly staged. Okay, okay, sounds good. Sounds good. Leonard Malton, hey, our favorite Stephen. Let's see if I have a Leonard Malton drop real quick. Uh and I'm giving this film. An eight. I'm Leonard Malton, Entertainment Tonight. 
All right. This is the best monster movie I've seen in years. Adding new energy and excitement to a storyline that incorporates the ingredients we all expect. It's been too long since I had this much fun at a movie, and that promises just that. I messed it up. I don't know what he's talking about. So anyway, he liked it, Stephen. Richard Roper says, It's wildly entertaining, and it has a sense of humor about itself, and it doesn't hurt when a great big monster movie features A-list cast, including John Goodman, Samuel L. Jackson, Brie Larson, Tom Middleton, John C. Riley. I give it a three out of four. He loved it, Stephen. He loved it. Let's read another bad review, Stephen. Okay. There's been too many good ones. Mikel Zorilla says, A visual delight, giving us pretty much everything one could expect from a movie with monsters, but has a basic story with a development between poor and ridiculous. Okay. So he likes the way it looked, just a piss poor story. Helen O'Hara says, Fatally, the director never spends time on any of the characters who fill the screen. And while no sensible person goes to a monster movie for this deep human drama, you need at least a sprinkling to make it work. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's, let's move on to another movie. All I know is, uh, I think it looks like a lot of fun. I think we'd dig it if we saw it. What do you think? Yeah, probably so. Um... Hmm. Look, we've enjoyed the Fast and the Furious movies, so. <laughs> oh, here's one thing. The new uh, Marvel series Iron Fist has come out on Netflix. Everyone's saying it's Marvel's first bad series on Netflix. Right now it's at a 14% rotten. It's got 14 reviews, 12 rotten, 2 fresh. I just want to read... This is something different. This is uh, TV reviews. Uh, Abraham Reisman says, It may have seemed fine to crank out another Marvel Netflix show that feels like the brand's past outings, but the critical drubbing that Iron Fist has received is in no small part due to the fact that it's so stale and unoriginal. Yeesh. James Whitbrook says, Far inferior to its earlier predecessors, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and Luke Cage. Travis Johnson says, not a complete mess, but it's a significant step down in quality. Yeesh. Kwame Olpum says, given that he's still the one person capable of taking up the Iron Fist mantle, it's hard to decouple his whiteness from his elevated position. But the show's race problems are intertwined with other nagging... What? Okay, Maureen Ryan. That's someone I trust. She says, It takes forever for anything to happen on Iron Fist. And as it stumbles along, the uninspired production design, unexceptional cinematography, and painful dialogue fail to distract the viewer from the overall lack of depth, detail, or momentum. Wow. Alan Seppenwall says, It's easily the worst of the Netflix Marvel shows and an unfortunate illustration of the perils of miscasting. Wow! this That's terrible to hear. You All the Netflix Marvel shows have been great. I wonder what happened. Why did they fail so badly? What happened, Steven? They got, they got greedy. Those bastards. My Scientology movie. Nice. 
which is a, is this a documentary? Yes, a dark documentary. Okay, I, I find that the, a dark comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I find that the most inexplicable behavior is motivated by very relatable human impulses. Comments Louis Thoreau as he head Louis Thoreau as he heads to Los Angeles for his feature documentary in collaboration with director John Dower and double Academy Award winning producer Simon Chin exploring the Church of Scientology. Following a long fascination with the religion with much experience in dealing with eccentric, unpalatable, and unexpected human behavior, the beguiling, unassuming Thoreau won't take no for an answer when his request to enter the church headquarters is turned down. Inspired by the church's use of filming techniques and aided by ex-members of the organization, Thoreau uses actors to replace some incidents people claim they experience as members in an attempt to better understand the way it operates. In a bizarre twist, it becomes clear that the church is also making a film about Louis Thoreau, or Louis Thoreau, why do we keep saying Louis? Suffused with a good dose of humor and moments worthy of a Hollywood script, my Scientology movie is stranger than fiction. Okay, let's see. Godfrey Cheshire of the RobertEgebert.com says, I like that name, Godfrey Cheshire. While- Regal. Why my solid child <laughs> I can't talk. While my Scientology movie provides a very entertaining tour of some of the questions that swirl around Scientology, viewers who have followed the story through the years will find little that's new or unexpected. That's true. We know a lot of this stuff because all the different shows, like even Leah uh, Remini and Remini Remini and even that HBO. Uh, yeah, going, clear. going clear. Jeanette Katsoulis says, at times it plays like an extended skit on the daily show, yet its disorder also makes its insights. Like how strongly the church training sessions resemble acting classes feels refreshingly organic. Oh, okay. Let's see what AA Dowd of AV club said. This stunt-driven nonfiction project rearranges the well-reported dirt on the church, placing it into the context of something considerably less useful, a documentary about how hard it is to make a documentary about Scientology. Nick Shager says, heavy on gimmicks, light on revelations. My. Huh. Interesting. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. An electropsychometer. Oh, so this is this would if this was on like HBO one day or some cable channel, I would definitely watch it. It will be one day. Like Tom Cruise gets Scientological. <laughs> yeah. All right, Stephen. That's all I got for this week. Uh, next week uh, or March seventeenth, Beauty and the Beast comes out. Stephen, mm-hmm. Beauty on the Beast. Are you excited about it? Eh, no, no. Right now, it's sixty-eight percent fresh. Okay, I'm not thirteen, and I'm not a girl. <laughs> I've seen the uh, animated movie, you know. So, and we all know what Beauty and the Beast is about, anyway. Come on, it's Ron Perlman and Linda Hamilton, right? Right. Now, that was a show. Allison Wilmar, though, she doesn't seem too happy about this. She says, remake isn't a strong enough word to describe the relationship between Disney's live-action Beauty and the Beast and the company's beloved 1991 animated movie. So is she saying they just remade it? 
This Beauty and the Beast is no match at all for the animated classic, and Miss Watson is a bell who fails to chime, said Brian Viner of oh, Daily oh, Mail. Oh. <laughs> so clever. While the CGI extravagances are amazing and the human elements show promise, they never work together to create something noteworthy and original like the animated film, which is much better. I give it a 5 out of 10. J.R. Kennard. That's still passing. Watson is woefully miscast. She has no charisma and not and does not seem to enjoy being the much beloved fairy tale heroine, says Victoria Alexander. Okay, this is depressing me. Let's see what Stephanie Zacharak says. There's no need to worry that this version might crush the dental charms of the nineteen ninety one picture. Even though Condon more or less faithfully follows the movie's plot. This beauty is its own resplendent creature. Well, that sounds good, right? Mm -hmm. Robert Clifford says, This new version feels artificial and manufactured, even forced. I give it a C plus, rotten, which is a passing grade. Now, Eric Goldman, I trust him. He's reviewed every single episode of Chuck. Powered by Bill Condon's direction and terrific performances from the game cast, from a game cast, it's a lovely film that includes the elements fans of the animated classic would hope to see, while also introducing some new aspects. I give it an 8 out of 10. Wow! That's a review! There you go. Woohoo! All right. Well, thank you so much, Stephen, for joining me this week on the show. Oh, thank you. Woohoo! Let me say something right. I haven't done this lately. Guys, I'm so sorry we didn't do a show for the last two weeks. I hope that you will take the show as an apology. Entertaining show. You know, we're talking about all sorts of stuff. Logan, Horizon Zero Dawn. And don't forget, at the end of this show is a conversation with my daughter, Emma, just turned 13, talking all about what it was like to play Zelda for a week. And it's really cool to hear what she has to say. Uh, she's previously been on our E3 shows, but from time to time when she was very little, she would drop in. Remember how she right. would come and say, hi, everybody. It was so yeah. cute. Now that, that girl is 13 years old and she's talking about video games. If she's gabbing it up, she's no longer the shy, shy like that. Not at all. But she always <laughs> says the same thing. She goes, oh, I hate my voice. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, oh, you get over that and it's fine. But guys, I wanted to think most of all, our patrons go to patreon.com slash landfill to become a patron of the show, support the show for, for as little as $1. But I want to just say thank you to our patrons right now. Xavier, Charles Xavier. Yes. Ken Proventure. Hey, hey Ken, Ken Proventure. Been on the show many times. Ross Pony. Uh, Runner-up of the drop game, right? Runner-up. <laughs> Ronald Spoth. Adam Sexton. Swiley. Steven Steinbach. Rick Lidster. John Waltz. Slade Bailey. Brandon. Kelly. B. Sly. Mark Anderson. Mr. Anderson. <laughs> Darren Finland. Bill Lochner. Ah, oh, miss you, Bill. I want to talk Logan with you. Mike Metcalf. Carl. Jason Swinchok. Brian. Sean Uioka. Nathina Lewis. 
Adam Howard and Hodor. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. I appreciate it. And I, of course, our forever patron, Jennifer Morris, who passed away. She'll always be a patron of the show. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. I appreciate it. Love you guys. Uh, you keep us going. Keep doing shows. Keep doing more entertainment landfill news. And hey, if we like the Kong movie, even if we don't, it'll be fun we're to do. We're going to talk about it. Yeah, we're going to talk all about Kong Skull Island. So look out for that, okay? So guys, uh, don't forget to visit etlandfill.com. There you can find the links to all of our previous shows. I'm building up slowly that archive. Right now, if you can download episode one through at least a hundred right now. And then from there's a gap and then 172 on up to now, <laughs> but there's a gap in there that I'm slowly uploading, but a uh, one through a hundred, that's a lot of old shows to listen to. I told Adam about it. He goes, woohoo. And he started downloading. He was listing those previous shows. It's pretty cool. Hundreds of hours of fun. Lots hours of podcasting. So if you guys want to check that out, uh, guys, thank you so much for uh, listening to the show. And what are you guys waiting for? Get out there, play some video games, play some Zelda, go see a movie, go see Logan. Highly go recommended. Yes. Highly recommended. I give it a an A. An A. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, it an a. I don't rate movies. I don't give them stars. But I give it 200. From an A to Z. I give it 200 stars. Z being the highest, it gets an Oh, wow, I like that. We give it a next. <laughs> Love it. So, guys, go out and see Logan. Go watch. Don't watch Iron Fist. Apparently, it sucks ass. Watch something else, and we'll see you next time. So there you have it, folks. It pays to be an elite hacker who can control cars so they can crash into lots of stuff. Wow, Sifer sounds like my kind of girl. everyone and welcome to a special bonus at the end of this week's ETL news. This is a secret, top secret recording where I'm going to talk to Emma about Zelda Breath of the Wild. My daughter received a Nintendo Switch for her birthday and she's been playing Zelda and I want to know what she thinks of it. Hello Emma, how's it going? You've just turned 13, you're now a teenager. Yes. And this is a special bonus I'm putting at the end of the episode where I have a conversation with you about the Nintendo Switch, which you received for your birthday. Was that cool? Yes. Do you like it? Yes, you bought it for me. Everyone, <laughs> this is the best dad ever. Aw, you're the best daughter ever. Thank you. Now, let me ask you this the Nintendo Switch, you can either play on your TV or remove it and play it um, portable, like on the go. Or laying in your bed. You played Zelda both ways. Yes. Do you like the portable version? Um, I do like the portable version. Uh, it's sometimes, uh, I learned this feature where 
whenever you're shooting an arrow, it doesn't really matter on it's on their TV or on like on the go. Um, you can like move the controller to aim, and whenever you play on the TV, oh, you mean motion control? Motion like- control. Whenever you're on the TV, it's fine. You can just keep it still. Whenever you're like laying down or sitting and have it portable, it's like very sensitive. Is that a feature you like? No, not at all. Yeah, I've heard some people don't like that motion. I, I heard there's even certain areas, what do they call them, shrines? Shrines. That use motion controls. I and ran into one. I hated it. You hated it? I hated it. Is it because it makes you dizzy or something? It or? wasn't because it made me dizzy. It's because it's so aggravating. I, I originally had it portable, and, I, and it was basically when... One of those ball mazes where it's like, do you guys know where that is? It's like a marble in a plastic case, and there's a maze, and you're trying to get to the center. Yeah, I've seen those type of things in the game. And it's horribly tedious. Um, basically, it's like that, and whenever you have it portable, it's a lot easier to control, but still aggravating. Mm-hmm. But whenever you put it into the TV, you can't control it at all. Oh, really? Like, at all. It doesn't matter whether you're using the Pro Controller, or like the normal controller, I think... It, it's just so stupid and sensitive. Like, you can't control it at all. I just stopped doing the little ball thing, and I just jumped on it. And then got out of there. So you just gave up? I gave up. Oh, man. There's a chest on there. I got the thing in the chest, and then I left. Well, at least you got the chest, right? Yes. <laughs> what do you get when you complete a shrine? You talk to that weird guy or something? Whenever you complete a shrine, you go to, like... A little pedestal where, like, it, uh, I think it's like a god or like a follower of Queen. I'm not entirely sure. Don't remember what her name is. Um, and what? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay if you don't remember. You know. No, it's fine. Uh, and what happens is that you get like, I think it's called a spirit orb. If it escapes from my mind, I'm sorry, but. I think it's called a spirit orb or, or a shrine orb or something along those lines. And if you get f- at least a certain amount, you can go to, like, a temple. Like, like in the plateau, there's a temple of time. And if you go there and pray, and you have, like, about four, at least four, you can either grant to get your stamina, to get higher stamina or get higher health. Right, your heart containers? Heart containers, or get a stamina boost. How many of those have you gotten so far playing? One. Like, One? Wait, um, spirit orbs are sh- like... Have you gotten an extra heart container yet? I have gotten an extra heart container. Have you got any kind of boost to stam- stamina yet? No, I have not. Oh, okay. You've been uh, you've played it pretty much all last weekend, right? And now not. it's spring break. Are you going to play it a lot more? Probably. You do know, one thing you should know about Zelda games is they're really long. You, yeah. There's no, you're not in like a race to get to the end. The whole idea is just to, ex- uh, yeah, just exploring, having fun, but at the same time, building up your heart containers, getting good weapons and unfolding more of the storyline, right? Yeah. Zelda. People will play Zelda, not mainly for the story, but for like the exploration and like, all the cool things you can do in there. And it doesn't limit you on what you can do unless you need a certain number of items. You can go immediately from the start to Calamity Ganon. You will lose, but you can. Right. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I wouldn't even attempt it because 
You can be one hit killed by a lot of things in the game, can't you? Yeah, you can. How many times would you say you've died playing this? A lot. A lot. Mainly from shrines and falling off into abyss. You know what? It's funny is uh, while you were uh, at band, I was like, I should play a little bit of the Switch. Just kind of hold it and stuff. Portable version in here. And I was trying to play it. First of all, the buttons are really tiny on the thing. Our hands are big. I I prefer the con- the pro controller because it feels like an Xbox controller, you know. Except I'm... for the A and B switched. Yeah, they're like switched <laughs> around. Can, wait, hold on. Mm-hmm. Can I just can I can I please say this? Yeah. Um, me and my dad, we want to try and make me's. We're trying to set up in my room, and we're trying to connect the Wi-Fi. And my dad and he kept on hitting the B button. Thinking it was the A button, but it was the B button. Because on an Xbox controller, the difference between the Xbox and a and a like a Nintendo Nintendo controller is usually, are Nintendo Pro controllers are usually that they're the exact same except the A and B buttons are switched. Right on uh, an Xbox controller, A is select, B is back. It's just always that way. But on the Nintendo, B is select no or uh the button that should be the b button is a button and it's select right is that what a you're trying select, to select b is back they're exact same but they're, they're switched around yeah, they're yeah. Switched. and i kept hitting back every time i was trying to select something it's like ah and i was just was just it was driving me crazy <laughs> it, it's funny getting used to a nintendo <laughs> system this is your first i mean you've I've given you the Xbox 360 that used to be mine, but, Uh you know, this is your first console that's yours, not a hand-me-down. Yeah. How does it feel to have your own console? It makes my friends jealous. Um, I told my friends, like, hey, I got Nintendo Switch. He just stared at me. It's like, give me it right now. Give it to me. Sell it to me. It's like, no, I have Nintendo Switch. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, how much? Uh, right now you only have one game. You have Zelda Breath of the Wild, which yeah. is okay. It'll take you a long time to play, but, uh, the Mario game will come out this holiday season. Hopefully it's not pushed back. Uh, but besides that, are you excited to play anything else on the Switch? Oh yeah. Um, the games that you can buy on, that can buy exclusively Switch Rich, I'm excited for those. Like and- Snipper Clips? Snipper Clips, the adorable hard puzzle game. And uh, eventually, I think, I'm not sure, I, oh, I actually did read this. In the summer, I think July, uh, Stardew Valley will come to the Nintendo That will be Switch. my new Minecraft. <laughs> yeah. That is the thing I'll play for hours on end. And the difference is you can take it with you. Now, you haven't taken the Switch with you anywhere. I'm worried you'll call me and go, Dad, I, I dropped it. And I'll be like, no, or something like that. <laughs> we need to get you a carrying case or something, but... Um, I know it's portable, but when you look at something that's portable, that's also something that can be broken, it <laughs> makes me nervous. I like the fact that it's in your bedroom and not <laughs> going anywhere or whatever. But the, I, you know, I've heard some people, you know, they've already taken their switches on airplanes, playing Zelda while on an airplane trip or something like that. I'm afraid if someone will do that, I kill to say, "Hey, give me that," and they'll like, start arguing with it. Give me that switch. Yeah. Um, you're on the streets and you're playing it and it's someone just mugs you. Are When you first picked up Zelda, were you overwhelmed at all? Like, oh my God, how am I going to play this game? Or 
Did you get the hang of it pretty quickly? Uh, I feel like I got the hang of it pretty quickly. Um, I was kind of worried about combat. When I first saw an enemy, I just, like, crouched and ran away. But <laughs> <laughs> but then I just went... Because I, I didn't have a weapon. I had a tree branch. Right. I've heard you scream a couple of times from your room. It's because sometimes the... Uh, something will... A bad guy will just come out of nowhere. Like, oh, and you'll... Ah! Or something like that? No, those screams are not from terror. They're from frustration. Oh. The only time you've ever heard me scream because of an enemy is when I was just... is when you were in the room with me and you are talking to me. And then I got distracted. And then an enemy stepped onto me. And I was like, is that the enemy music? It's ah! <laughs> but you are having fun. Yes, I am. That's awesome. Yay. D- does it matter that you haven't really played any other Zelda games? Really, as long as you just know the basic concept that Link is not Zelda, like my mom said. It's like, oh, oh, oh is that Zelda? It's like, no, that's Well, Link. that's a funny story because uh, when we first turned on the game, you and I were sitting there and it starts out with, Link, wake up. And he doesn't have a shirt on. Yeah. And uh, Heather, who is Emma's mother, said, Zelda needs to put a shirt on or something like that. And you go, that's not Zelda, that's Link. And she goes, who's Link? It's like, he's the star of the game. It's like, well, then who's Zelda? The princess. <laughs> it's so funny because it is kind of confusing. Why are the games all called Zelda when it's Link? He's it's the called, star. It's called The Legend of Zelda because the princess keeps getting captured. Except in the later game, she actually does stuff about it. <laughs> she does stuff. <laughs> what, how cool would it have been, or would you like this eventually, to have a game where Zelda is the star? Uh, I would like... That'd be cool. A game where Zelda is a star, or at least a female Link. That'd be really cool. Because Link, Link up until now, doesn't really have any story. And even then, it's not based around his gender. It could it could be like the Fire Emblem games, where you can choose either a boy or a girl. And that'd be really cool. Link kind of looks like a girl, I think. <laughs> I actually I actually got a comment. It's like, that's a really girly getup for you. It's like, does... Do I look like a girl? Well, I am a girl, but does Link look like a girl? I guess he does. His hairstyle looks like a girl. Let me ask you this. Zelda games are famous for their quirky humor. Has <laughs> there been stuff in the game that's made you laugh? Um, that's been kind of silly? I don't know. I've seen there's like a painter that you'll encounter in different oh, places. Oh, yeah. I saw that painter. And uh, some people have said his painting... The thing that's funny is his paintings are actually terrible. <laughs> Have you noticed if they're bad? Oh, no, I haven't yet. <laughs> like, you watch him painting, but if you look at the painting, it's, like, not that good. <laughs> this looks like scribbles. <laughs> yeah. I saw uh, one thing I saw uh, on a clip where there's a part in the game where you can ride your shields down hills like a sled. Yeah, you told me about that. And there's this guy, he's like, uh, hey, we're in a gang. And you're like, Zelda's like, I mean, oh, my God, I just did it. <laughs> I got in your brain. Link's like a gang. He goes, yeah, it's just me and my other friend right now. But we want to be a bigger gang. Do you want to join? Sure. But it's just funny how it's kind of <laughs> like he's excited. He's telling you he has a gang, but he's like, it's really just me and my friend. <laughs> and the, like- when he says it's really just me and my friend, the right, the lettering is a lot tinier. Like he's embarrassed about Aww. it. It's pretty funny. It's like, we just, we just have a tree house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um... 
you know, like I said, I played it for like 30 minutes and I want to play, I'd rather play it on the TV. I don't think I could do the portable thing. Another thing is I kept holding it close to my chest and looking straight down at it. And my neck started hurting so bad. Huh. I was trying to hold it up in front of me, but it just wasn't working. It's like, forget it. I'll play it on TV later. What I do is I or, lay down on my stomach and then I look at it like that. So my neck doesn't really hurt, but then mm-hmm. my back hurts and that just doesn't work. Uh, oh. I want. Can I talk about a new enemy I encountered recently? Yeah. Okay, so after I visited one of the villages, I don't remember what its name is. It's where after you go to Kakariko Village, go to a new village. I don't remember what that village name is, but you go to that village. And basically. And basically, after I left the village, I had to go back to Kakariko Village or find an axe because I had to buy a house and I needed freaking 30 wood bundles. <laughs> Who pays in wood bundles? I mean, I know you're a carpenter, but, but <laughs> why? It's like, there are trees everywhere. It's like, I know, but I have nothing to cut them down with. Anyway. Yeah, and I saw you could actually cut them down with bombs. Yeah, and I'm glad you told me about that, because I've just been using bomb arrows. What's funny, that sounds terrible. Somebody going out into the forest and blowing up trees. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, he's destroying the forest. What I do is I blow up the trees around town. You go to sleep, you wake back up, and then they're back. Nice. They just grow overnight. From a stump to a tree, they grow overnight. Um. Anyway, I encounter- I like saved a woman- from a monster, and she's like, and I talk to her because they usually like give you stuff, and she's like, "Oh wow, you're a really nice fighter. You should join the Yiga Clan, Yiga Clan." And earlier, I learned that the Yiga Clan was a gang that works for Ganon, who like tricks, who likes her people and tries to defeat the hero. And I'm just like, "Huh? Did I miss here? Did I just not?" Was that wrong information? And so I just asked her, what's the Yiga clan? And she's just like, you, what? You don't know what the Yiga clan is? Oh, I guess I should tell you then. It's like, it's a great force who's going to defeat a great hero. I will destroy you. (laughs) And then she turned into like, like a monster that has like teleportation powers. It's cool. And she's really hard to defeat. And when you defeat her, she drops rupees, a hook, and bananas. Cool. So so you think it's a nice lady, but it turns out to be the enemy and she fights you. Yeah. And then That's I found it, cool. I actually ran into two. There was another woman who was, who was crying in the little fields like, what's wrong? And she's like, I won. I won. Grilled salmon. <laughs> Grilled <laughs> salmon. <laughs> I was like, Grilled salmon. Grilled salmon. And your life. I will end you. And then oh my she turned gosh. one of those other things. So it happened again. Yeah. And then she dropped another hook bananas and rubies that's so cool i that's the thing about this game what do you think of the world of hyrule is it really neat just the way the world exists and everything the entire world is really cool i really like it because obviously i remember it's really beautiful there are certain parts of the game where it's just like oh this is neat but there are other games where like at the beginning you after you come out of the res- res- Resurrection Shrine, you go over to this cliff and it just looks over the plateau. And if you look further, there are other parts as well. And it's just, it's so beautiful. And if you look over cliffs and like canyons, it's so beautiful. Yeah. And like, ev- how everything is colored, it's cell shaded. 
And yeah. I'm actually kind of glad that they don't have a useless, a useless item like in Wind Waker. It was this telescope that make you see further away. But it's all cell shaded. There aren't minute details, so it's really useless. <laughs> yeah, this game is pretty uh, gorgeous, and it it looks like an animated. It looks animated like a cartoon or something. It does. It does. It has a very unique look to it, and that's what I like about it. It's it's very neat. Like I'll here's the funny thing is I'll you'll be playing, and I could just sit there and not realize how long I've been watching you play. You can just endlessly watch somebody play this game and not even play it yourself. Oh, oh, really? Because for me, whenever I'm playing, I was like, it's been three hours. It's been six hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll... While I, I'm... Emma, what's that over there? Go look over there. And it's like, uh-oh, time for me to leave. Because I, <laughs> I start backseat playing, you know? Yeah, I used to do that whenever I watched you play. It's like, what's yeah. that Wait, wait, there? back up. What's that there? It's like... It's, Grab that. It's like, I can't interact with that. It's just a torch in the background or something. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's like, oh, what does a person have to say? Well, as I talked to them before, they have ancient gear. It's like, what's ancient gear? It's like, I don't really know. <laughs> what can you do with it? I don't know. Well, Emma, this is exciting. I can't wait for you to play more Zelda and uh, tell me more about it. Would you care to come back later and give us more an update on how you're doing in Zelda? Heck yeah, that'd be awesome. All right, well, let's do that. Um, do you have anything more to say about Zelda? Uh, it's fun. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun? I know some of the games. I just never play them. Actually, that's a lie. I played some of Ocarina of Time on a Nintendo 64, and then yeah, I got... Yeah, that Adam sent to us. And then I got to the Deco Tree, and then it was hard, and then I gave up, and I never played it again. Compare that Zelda game to this one. I feel like if I tried hard enough, I'd actually... Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I just stopped right there. Well, play this game, Breath of the Wild. It may take you a year to play, but still, it's going to be fun, right? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it might not take you a year, but you have this summer to play it, right? Yeah. I can't wait till you can do all these things. You know, you unlock more hearts, you have more weapons, you're doing more things. Uh, I can't wait. I can't... I can't wait for you to tell us about your first boss encounter. So maybe that'll happen before you come back. Sweet. So Emma, thank you so much for joining me with this special uh, Zelda update at the end of Entertainment Landfill News. Thank you so much for joining us, Emma. Welcome. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>